recap in terms of where we're up to. Uh, so the 17-year-old Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And he was part of a dysfunctional family. He had brothers who were bitter and brothers who were jealous. They sold him into slavery. He had uh, then two decades where he had suffering and struggle and pain. That was nothing to do with his own kind of actions or his own behavior. He thrived in Potiphar's house and then was falsely accused and was put in prison. In prison, he did well, but he was forgotten for years. All of this undeserved suffering that Joseph faced before finally he was raised to be the prime minister of Egypt, to oversee a famine. And last week, we looked at the point in the story when Joseph's brothers came from Canaan, where they were struggling, where they didn't have much food, that the famine had taken root, and they had to come to Egypt, where there was grain and where there was food. And they came to Joseph for food, but they didn't recognize him. He was dressed as an Egyptian. He was clean-shaven. He had all the Egyptian dress on. They didn't recognize him, and they bowed down before him. The dream of the 17-year-old Joseph had become a reality. The brothers were bowing down to Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt. Now, Joseph started a series of tests. He started a series of tests for his brothers because, you see, Joseph wasn't sure if his brothers had changed or not. He wasn't sure whether they were still the unsafe, toxic brothers who had sold him into slavery or whether over 20 years they had changed. And Joseph begins this process of dealing with the pain of the past. And really, this week is part two of facing your past, dealing with the pain of your past. And let me be really honest for a minute. In a room this size with this amount of people, there's a lot of pain that we will all be feeling from different areas of our lives, from the past that we will be struggling with whether it's being let down by people, whether it's being forgotten and sidelined by people, whether it's neglect, whether it's abuse, it can be something huge, it can be something little, but all of us will be facing and wrestling with and carrying pain from our past. So with that in mind, we're going to quickly catch up to where we are in the story. At the end of chapter 42, Joseph started this test. He kept Simeon, one of the brothers, in Egypt, and he sent the rest of the brothers back to Jacob and back to Canaan with the grain. And he said, I want to see Benjamin. If you bring Benjamin back with you, I will know that you are honest men. Now, when Joseph gave them the grain, he also put money in their bags, their bags of grain. The money that they had brought to pay for the grain, Joseph put in the bags because this was the first part of his test. And they only discovered that money when they got back to Canaan. They opened the grain bags and sure that there in their grain bags that they were bringing to their father, there was the money that Joseph had put in there. 
So let's pick up the story from Genesis 43 and verse 1. We'll read it from the screen or you can follow it in your Bible. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back, buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man, that's Joseph, they're referring to Joseph as the man, warmed us solemnly. You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you'll not send him, this is Benjamin, we will not go down because the man, Joseph, said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel, that's Jacob, asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man that you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know that he would say, bring your brother down here? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Judah here is stepping up. Judah here is putting himself out there as the one who is responsible for, Bel for, for Benjamin. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. So what are they doing here? They're going to take back Benjamin, as Joseph answered, asked. They're going to double the money and take the money that they had been put back in the, in the, in the sacks and uh, that same money again. So double the money. And they're going to also take some gifts from Canaan, the very best that there was in Canaan, pistachio, nuts, almonds, myrrh, the very best produce that came from where they lived. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. Just pause there for a moment. So the brothers had all of this with them and they came to Joseph. They had these gifts from Canaan. They had Benjamin and they had double the money. Just want you to think for a minute. You see, what would have happened with those gifts from Canaan 
is that commentators tell us the way of transporting gifts at that time from Canaan to Egypt was by using the Ishmaelite traders. That's how you transported things from Canaan to Egypt. So think for a minute, all these gifts that the brothers are bringing to Joseph are being carried by the Ishmaelite traders, the same ones who brought Joseph from Canaan to Egypt when his brothers sold them into slavery. Can you imagine the triggering that is going on in Joseph's heart and mind and head? There's the smell of produce from home. Oh, the smell of pistachio, the smell of myrrh. It's reminding him of home. And then he sees the Ishmaelite traders. And he's reminded of that moment as a 17-year-old when his brothers put him down the pit and sold him into slavery. When he didn't know what the future would hold. When he didn't know that God would be with him alongside of him and that he would be risen to prime minister of Egypt. He would have been reminded of all of those scenes from the past. Deeply triggering. It would have been a painful moment for him. And now we see the first of three tests that Joseph plays out with his brothers. The first test is the test of integrity. Let's read on verse 17. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now, the men were frightened when they were taken to the house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy the food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to him. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He said, he asked how they were, and they said, How is your aged father that you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. 
Joseph wanted to know if the brothers had changed. Firstly, would they come back? Would they bring the money? Would they bring Benjamin? And what we see in these verses is that the brothers passed the first test. They bring the money back. They bring Benjamin to Joseph. And so Joseph then brings out Simeon. That's his part of the bargain. And Joseph has this scene where all of the brothers, including Benjamin, are bowing down before him. Again, a deeply emotional moment for him. So the first test that Joseph has laid out there, the brothers have passed. Would they hide the money or would they bring back the money? They brought back the money. Would they come with Benjamin like I asked them to? Yes, they come with Benjamin like I asked them to. The first test, the test of integrity has been passed. Maybe, just maybe, Joseph is thinking, my brothers have changed. Maybe, just maybe, over the last 20 years, something has shifted. Let's look at the second test that Joseph then puts before his brothers, reading on from verse 32. There's this banquet, there's this party that Joseph is having with the brothers. They still don't know that it is him. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, the youngest being Benjamin. And they looked at each other in astonishment when the portions were served to them from Joseph's table. Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with them. The second test was a test of jealousy because Joseph very deliberately gave Benjamin, the youngest son, the one of whom they shared the same mother, gave Benjamin five times more food than the rest of the brothers. I mean, the brothers would have had wide-eyed astonishment about what was going on. Because if anything, in that time and in that society, the eldest should have five times more food than the youngest. But you see, Joseph wants to see if the brothers are jealous of Benjamin. Are they jealous like they were 20 years ago? Because you see, one of the reasons that the brothers couldn't cope with Joseph 20 years ago was jealousy. They were jealous at these 17-year-old upstarts. So Joseph wanted to know, had the brothers changed? And they had. We can see they, they, they were astonished. They didn't quite believe what they saw, but they feasted and drank freely. In other words, they passed the test. They celebrated the portion that they had, and they weren't jealous about Benjamin's portion. They, they, they celebrated what they had, and they ate and they feasted. Second test past. So the test of integrity, the test of jealousy, both of those tests have been passed. So what does Joseph do next? He then sends his brothers back home for one more test to come. Let's read on in chapter 44, starting at verse 1. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks 
with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then, he says, put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, that's Benjamin, along with the silver for his grain. This is the, the household cup, probably a highly decorative, beautiful cup that would have been worth a huge amount of money. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They'd not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, right, go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. Look, we even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver that we had found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die. And the rest of us will become the Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said. Let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. The steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. You can feel the kind of the drama. If this was a, a movie, if you could feel the drama, the music would start to kick in as you, as you go through the sacks and you get to Benjamin's. Suddenly the tension, the, the drama as they go to the youngest, the last sack. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in. They threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. What we have here in verse 16 is Judah. Judah, one of the brothers, he's got a checkered past. If you read in Genesis, he's got a dodgy checkered past. But finally, we see Judah stepping up to the plate. Finally, we see Judah saying, look, we are guilty. We are guilty as brothers. No, we are not guilty actually of this, this crime of the cup, but we are guilty as brothers. We are guilty of crimes. We are guilty of what we have done. Skipping a few verses, verse 30. So now, this is Judah speaking, taking responsibility, taking the blame. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, this is Judah, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you. My father, all my life. 
Please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that will come on my father. He's taking Benjamin's place. He's acting as the guarantor. He's doing what he promised to his father. And then the drama kind of ratchets up to a crescendo. Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. He cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, look, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now, next week, we're going to get into Genesis 45. Next week, we're going to look at how Joseph handles that moment of revelation and that moment of forgiveness. But I want you to understand that here, he has seen. These brothers has changed. Judah is stepping up, and he is taking the place. He is willing to take the place of Benjamin. He is willing to take the blame. He is willing to die so that Benjamin could be set free. He is willing to be the one who will guard his father, who will guard the rest of his brothers. They've changed. The brothers have changed. You see, Joseph has taken them through these three tests. The test of integrity, the test of jealousy, and the test of sacrifice. And each test, the brothers have passed. Joseph is navigating the pain from his past. That is what he's doing. That's what those three tests are. Navigating 20 years of hurt, 20 years of struggling with what had happened to him as a 17-year-old boy. Now, I just want to make one, one comment here that, you know, this is family pain. What he's dealing with here is family pain. Family pain is difficult to deal with. Family pain is kind of like often deep-rooted inside of us from years and years of living through pain, living through difficulty, living through relationships that have not been the best Pain in our family is, is a difficult thing. It was a dysfunctional family that he was part of. Jacob was a broken dad. There was a dysfunctionality about this family. One interesting thing is that the Bible says 10 times in the uh, Old Testament, talks about family in this context, talks about the family in, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What, what you have there, what the Bible is hinting at, 
is that there's a healthy way for, for families to function. There's a healthy way to think about family and to think about children. And that is to think three generations. It's to think in three generations. You see, it's not just that you parent a child. Great as that is to be well-behaved and to do well in their exams and, and to be a, a good, fine, upstarting citizen. But you parent a child to also be one day, God willing, a good husband and a good wife. And you parent a child also, God willing, to be not only a good husband, good wife, but also a good parent. You see, there is this, this thought in Scripture that, 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 that the way we are to think about family is three-generationally. And, and Joseph is living with this pain of things that have happened to him and things that he has been part of over three generations. And he is facing the pain of his past. And what I want to help us with now and be really practical now in light of what we've read and in light of how Joseph approaches this whole thing is that when we face our past, the goal is to have a healthy, healed heart. That's the goal. Not every single one of our relationships will be reconciled. You know, like I said last week, forgiveness doesn't equal fellowship. But what we are talking about when we are dealing with our past is a healthy and a healed heart. That my heart is healed and is healthy when I deal with my past. And Joseph gives us three ways in which this can happen. Three ways which I think are incredibly practical and helpful for all of us. The first one is the recognition that it is a process. Dealing with our past is a process. It will take time. There is time between when Joseph first sees his brothers and then he finally reveals who he is in Genesis 45. It's a process. There's time. It takes time for God to heal our hearts from the pain of the past. It takes time for God to work through the emotions that we are dealing with. You see, there will be moments in our lives when suddenly we will lash out at someone. Or we'll get angry about something. And it, why? Why, Mark? Why are you suddenly angry? Why did you lash out? Because there's a pain, a hurt from the past that hasn't been fully dealt with. It's, it's a process that you are walking through. There's a process of bringing healing to your wounded heart. If you think about it medically, if you have a problem medically with your body, if you are working through treatment, if there's an infection then you have to kind of work through and treat that wound. And the healing of that wound takes time. The healing of that wound is a process of you 
get out that the whatever it is that is causing the infection and then you put a healing balm and then a couple of days later you change the dressing and you bring another healing balm and then you put a plaster and then you open it up to the air and gradually a scab appears and then that takes and gradually and the healing comes but it's a process it takes time it takes time for the healing process of the lord to be at work from pain in the past. One example of this is the fact that, that Joseph, I don't know if you notice this, wept three times when it comes to his interactions with his brothers. The first time that he saw them, Genesis 42, verse 24, he, he, he saw them. He was so overcome with emotion that he turned away and wept. The first time he saw them, he recognized them. He heard what they said because he could understand Hebrew, but he couldn't deal with it. The pain was too great. His heart was too wounded. So he turned away and he wept. Second time, Genesis 43 and verse 30, he wept on his own. He wept in his chamber. The brothers were laid out before him. And what probably got to him more than anything was Benjamin was there. Benjamin, the brother from the same mother, was there bowing down before him. So, so he wept again. He wept, but he couldn't weep in front of them. So he wept away in his chamber. He wept crying. The process of healing, the process of God at work in his life was taking place. And then thirdly, Genesis 45 verse 2, we just read it. He wept aloud in front of them. It's me, guys. It's me, Joseph. He was vulnerable and honest and open before them. Joseph had been through a process, been through a process. Let me tell you something, you know, for me, you know, I have cried more in the last three years. I'm 40 something, but, you know, I've cried more in the last three years than probably the previous 44 years of my life. Because I kind of finally was able to see that, that crying and, and, and emotions are actually a helpful way of processing hurt and pain from the past. Because we're not meant to carry all the pain that we do. As human beings, we're not meant to carry the pain that we do. We're not meant to. We're meant to go to God and let him deal with our pain. Let him deal with our wounds. Let him deal with our hurts. So the first thing I want you to hear when it comes to navigating the pain from your past, the first thing is that is a process. It takes time. It's a process. I want you to encourage some of you who are going through a healing process, some of you who have got big, hurtful things from the past that you're trying to deal with. It's a process. Take the pressure off yourself a little bit. It's a process. It takes time. Respond to the Lord's promptings. Kind of don't be afraid of your emotions, but be understanding that it will take time. The second thing that Joseph helps us with and shows us really helpfully is that you need a plan. It's all very well to say, Lord, would you be at work in the process? But what does that process look like? It's important to have a plan when it comes to dealing with our past. It's important to have 
a plan when it comes to dealing with the pain and bringing healing to our hearts. If we don't, it almost certainly will never happen. We'll just carry our hurt, we'll carry our past from now into our grave. So what is the plan for our healing? What's the plan for God to help me in the process of dealing with my past? Just think about some, another area of our lives for a minute. If you're to go on a diet or if you are to get into a fitness regime, you, you have a plan. As someone said, you don't wait on your mood to choose your food. You don't wait to see what the weather is before you go out for a run, before you put your trainers on and step out the front door. You need to predetermine your path. Joseph had a plan for the brothers. He had a plan. He had a plan. He had a plan of a series of tests to see if he could trust them. You see, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Two decades ago, his brothers were the enemy. His brothers hated him with a jealous hatred. Two decades ago, they were willing to sell their own flesh and blood into slavery, abuse him, batter him, put him down a pit and sell him off and tell their dad that he was basically dead. That's what they were like two decades ago. So he has to have a plan to see, can I now trust my brothers? Is Benjamin still alive? Are they still jealous? Are they willing to put themselves out there in sacrificial love, or are they selfish? And is it all about them? The plan that we've read in Genesis 43 and 44 is a plan to uncover the truth. It's a plan in these three tests to find out about their integrity and their jealousy and whether they are self-sacrificial. Now, again, when it comes back to you and I, when it comes back to the pain in this room, I want you to understand when it comes to talking about a plan, when it comes to, to working through what God is calling us to do, forgiveness does not equal fellowship. It's difficult to speak into all individual situations that all of us will be dealing with. But what we are called to do is two things in Scripture. One is we're called to be at peace with all men, not with reconciled relationships with all men, but at peace with all men, and that God's desire for you and I is a healthy and a healed heart. And what we want to do is to think through steps that will put this into practice, to think through what this actually looks like. Let me give you an example, kind of a relatively unemotional example. If you were in business with a business partner, and that business partner shafted you. You put both your money in. You were doing this business together, but they took all the money and they ran. There'll be a point that God might help you with to be at peace with that person, to forgive them. That that, that is no longer a wound and a kind of a hurtful moment from your past. But you don't go back into business with them. You, you don't do that because you know you know that that's not a wise thing to do. So what we all need is help from the Lord when it comes to our past, when it comes to friendships, family, when it comes to relationships. We need help from the Lord 
to create a biblical plan to work through the pain of our past. Now, that can look like all kinds of things. That can look like going on a counseling course, going for counseling as, as, as a marriage couple. That can look like stopping to go to certain places because going to certain places is toxic and unhelpful. It can look like stop going and hanging out with certain people because you know that that will trigger you and that that will lead to unhelpful conversations or unhelpful results of where that might lead. It's the plan the process of healing. Something I want you to think about, to be led by the Lord when it comes to what that looks like. Joseph had a very clear plan. Very clear plan. He took his brothers basically for a ride. And he wanted to find out if he could trust them. And as he was doing that, he was healing his own heart. As he was doing that, the pain of his past was being dealt with. So Joseph helps us with first two things. He helps us with showing that dealing with our pain from the past is a process. And it, when it comes to dealing with our past and the pain from the past, we need a plan. And then the final thing that Joseph teaches us is that we need to feed our past grace. You see, the brothers went back to Egypt in fear and trembling. We read it. They were, they were fearful. They were shaking. They didn't know it was Joseph. They thought it was the prime minister of Egypt with all the power that he had to basically strike them down dead. They went trembling in fear back to Egypt. They went trembling to ask for more food, trembling to bring back double the amount of money because, because somehow money had appeared in their sacks. They, they were trembling and, and, and fearful as they went back to Egypt. But what does Joseph do? He feeds them. He feeds them. He kills the, the fatted calf. He, he, he celebrates. He has a party. He has a banquet with them. Genesis, the end of Genesis 43, they are eating. They are celebrating. Benjamin's got five towns the amount of food on his plate. The others are happy, eating, celebrating. There's a banquet. There's a party. That is a picture of God's grace. That's a picture of getting what we don't deserve. You see, the brothers did not deserve a seat at the table. They did not deserve the hospitality of Joseph. They didn't deserve it. But Joseph poured out grace upon his brothers. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the gift, the gift of Jesus. That Jesus deals with your past. That whatever your past looks like, whatever you have done in your past, that Jesus comes and offers you a place at the table. He says, come and join the banquet. Your past is dealt with. Come and celebrate. Come and enjoy. As someone said, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. That's what the gospel is. That's what we receive through Jesus Christ. And then when we deal with our pain from our past, the challenge 
is to be like Joseph, to give gifts of grace to those who have harmed us, to give gifts of grace to those who have wronged us. Now, that can look like many different things. Do you know what? One of the gifts of grace sometimes is holding your tongue. A gift of grace that you can give someone is holding your tongue. You could destroy them for what they did in the past. But a gift of grace is holding your tongue. A gift of grace can be blessing someone with a meal, blessing them with a gift when they don't deserve it. A gift of grace can be speaking well of someone when you know what they have done, when you know that they have a... God's gift of grace to us in Jesus Christ is to then call us to be full of grace in our interactions with other people. Now listen, like I keep saying, it's important you hear this. Not all relationships, not all hurt from the past is going to be fully reconciled. It's not, and it shouldn't be. Because there are people out there who, they are not trustworthy. There are people out there who will fail the tests that the brothers passed. And so while you might forgive them in your heart, there's not the, the, the reconciliation that took place between Joseph and his brothers. But all of us, all of us can receive peace in our hearts. All of us, with God's help, all of us with the help of the Holy Spirit, as we work through the process, as we work through the plan with God's grace, all of us can receive peace in our hearts. The grace of God is to bring healing to our hearts. Those of you that have been wronged in the past, those of you that have suffered at the hands of others, God's grace is there to bring healing in your heart. That you might experience the grace of God in the same way that the brothers did. And that it will change you. And it will grow you more like Jesus. And the balm of his Holy Spirit will work on the wounds of our heart, on the wounds from our past. And over time, we will experience the healthy heart, the healed heart, because God has dealt with our past. God has helped us navigate our past. Church, it's, it's painful. Life is painful. All of you will have wounds from your past. Some of you greater than others, but all of you will have wounds. All of you will be in a process right now of working through some of those wounds and some of your past. Some of you will be red raw and just one little touch and you're, ah, there's anger, there's hurt, there's, there's pain. Others of you, the process is much further on and you can see the healing work of the Lord. You can see the work of the Holy Spirit. You can see God's healing when you look back and you see how far you have come. You can see 
that God is changing you, that there is healing, there is a healthy heart. You're not so angry. You're not so touchy. You're, you're, you 